months, we've been reminding ourselves of our vision statement, Jesus' love transforming lives from the heart of South Sea. And I'm hoping that by now, pretty much everybody here will have received one of our vision brochures, one way or another. If you haven't yet received a vision brochure and aren't on the move, if you haven't yet received one, perhaps you could put your hand up and I'll ask Jit to um, pass them around. Lovely. Just keep your hand up if you haven't yet received one. There's one over the far side, one in the middle, a couple over on the side there. So you will find in the brochure when you get it, if you've seen it already, there are two, um, two vision goals that we've set ourselves for this year. The first one, to become a contemporary house of worship and prayer for Portsmouth. And the second one, to become a center for following Jesus deeper and further. And of course, uh, we've been working too on our theme verse for this year, Jesus' mother saying to the servants at the wedding of Cana, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Well, last week we thought of Zacchaeus and uh, how the love of money can destroy lives and keep us from the essentials in life. But that Jesus isn't satisfied with that, with us um, blocking ourselves in with money, binding ourselves up, destroying our lives, but he breaks through and he offers us a life which is truly rich. And although this love of money is so destructive and so um, uh, ties us up so much, we've got a powerful tool against it. And it's a tool called generosity. So today on our Response Sunday, I want to talk about generosity, where it comes from, what it looks like, and what it does. A channel for Jesus' love, transforming lives, our own and those around us. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the two readings that we'll hear today, the two uh, stories of generosity. And we ask that through those stories you'd remind us of your love for us, your generosity towards us, and that you'd open our hearts to be generous to you in return. So come, Holy Spirit, now. Fill us here in this place together. We beg you, we ask you, open our ears to your word to us. Open our eyes to the generosity that you pour out upon us. Open our hearts to respond to you in worship. And open our lives and our actions and our deeds that they may be full of the character of your generous love. And that through us, you may have a channel of generous love into your world for your glory. Amen. God loves generosity. God loves generosity. It's not surprising, is it? Because God himself is so generous to us. As Paul says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. So here's a practical definition of love. Jesus' definition for us. Giving what you can't afford to bless someone, someone else. 
Jesus gave his whole life. He gave his very life to bless us. And that's why it's our adjective here. We could have used another adjective, compassionate ministry, something like that, but somehow compassionate never quite tells us what we need to know. Generous, we absolutely know what generous means. It means a bit more than we can afford. Generous ministry is one of our key values. As Paul says of the Macedonian churches, they're being tested by many troubles. They're very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy which has overflowed in rich generosity. And we saw that in Zacchaeus' story last week, didn't we? Abundant joy meeting Jesus, overflowing into rich generosity, blessing the poor. Generosity speaks of the lavishness of God's love for us and our love for others. But it's not easy, generosity. It's really tough. A rural vicar was saying to a poor farmer, uh, if, God, if you love God so much, would you give him a horse? And the farmer said, yes, of course. I love Jesus with all my heart. I'd give him a horse. So the vicar said, would you give him a cow? He said, absolutely. Would you give him a pig? Sure, said the farmer. Would you give him a goat? Well, that's not fair. You know I've got a goat. <laughs> so let's look at two stories of tough generosity and see what we can learn from them. Our two readings. First reading is taken from 1 Kings, chapter 17, reading from verse 7 to 16, and is on page 358 in the Church Bible. Sometime later the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. But first, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil would not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. And so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah.
This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. The second reading is taken from John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8, and can be found on page 1079 on your pew Bibles. <clears throat> Jesus is anointed at Bethany. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, who Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so let's start with Mary of Bethany. What are the roots of generosity? Where does it come from? Well, the first root is honor. We are generous when we want to honor someone for uh, the kinds of person they are, the kinds of things that they have done, the kind of things they can do. Jesus had said to Mary, whoever comes to me, though he die, yet he will live. It's quite a big claim. Whoever comes to me, though he die, yet will he live. But then he'd come good on that promise with Lazarus. Lazarus was four days dead, but Jesus ignored that and commanded him to live. And Mary wanted to honor that power in him, that, um, that amazing sense of his command over life and death. And that called out her generosity. Secondly, gratitude. We're generous when we're grateful, when we're thankful. Martha and Mary put on a, a meal for Jesus to say thank you to him. Martha's generosity is in the kitchen. She's very good with the dishes. And she thinks to herself, I want to say thank you to Jesus. What does he like to eat? Oh, I know, falafels. We'll have piles of falafels. Mary's not so good in the kitchen. And she thinks to herself, I want to say thank you to Jesus. What can I give him that's very special, very precious? I know my perfume. But why were they so grateful? Why such big sacrifices? Why did they want to make that big gift to Jesus? Excuse me. Because Jesus had given to them an incredible gift. Something that so blessed them. Jesus had given back to Mary and Martha 
their brother alive. Lazarus had died, and Jesus raised him from the dead and gave him back to his sisters. And they were so grateful. And that gratitude made them generous. Thirdly, what makes us generous? Love and worship. We're generous because someone is important to us. What did Jesus mean to Mary? Well, we think perhaps he had freed her from the past. She'd come to know him well. His words had made a profound effect on her. We watch her sitting at his feet listening to his words. She loved and cared for him. She would be so grieved when he died. And she was coming to understand that he was more than just a wonderful man, a great friend. But he was someone who was sent from God. And that love, that worship, demanded her generosity. How do we know that she was generous? Because her gift was so lavish. Not just a dab of scent, but a pint of perfume. Not just eau de cologne. We're talking Clive Christian number one fragrance here. Do you know how much that stuff costs? 2,000 pounds an ounce. When was the last time you poured out 40,000 pounds worth of perfume on someone's feet? Mary didn't just throw money at Jesus. She also humbled herself before him. Mary was the hostess with Martha. She was in the place of honor, yet she chose to take the place of the servant to wash his feet. And more than that, she humiliated herself by doing a very shameful thing, taking her hair, her pr the pride and joy of a woman, and using it to wash, to clean a man's feet. Dirty in itself, but in that culture, very shameful. She shamed herself before Jesus to express her love for him. This isn't just an act of kindness to a tired stranger, a guest. This was an act of worship which came from her honor, from her gratitude, and from her love. Everything that we have sung and talked about this morning are reminders of all that God has done for us. Our generosity will demonstrate how much we honor Jesus and how grateful we are for what he's done for us. It will show how much we love and worship him. Okay, so what does generosity look like? Let's look at the uh, widow of Zarephath. First thing that we discover about generosity is you don't have to be rich to be generous. I don't know about you guys, but I am often tempted to think that if I had more money, then I could afford to be more generous. It's a kind of tempting thought, isn't it? But who we are becoming now will define who we are then. If we can't be generous with what little we've got now, then we're fooling ourselves if we think that when we've got loads of dosh, we will be generous then. 
Either we are generous or we aren't. How much we have doesn't alter the basic equation inside us. We have to learn generosity now. As Isaiah says, generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor, you can still be generous. In fact, to be honest, I think it's hard for God to trust us with great wealth if we haven't already learned to be generous. I wonder sometimes whether that's the reason why I'm not hugely wealthy now. Perhaps God thinks that serious riches would put my relationships and my character under too great a strain. As we were learning last week, generosity is our heavy artillery against the forces of arrogance and greed at work in our lives. If we haven't yet learnt how to use them, then we aren't ready for the terrible spiritual battle of great wealth. Isn't it interesting? Don't you find it interesting that God sent his servant who was in great need to a poor widow with no food to be looked after in a famine rather than sending him to the king? Isn't that a bit lopsided? But you have to understand that the king with all his wealth is the very reason that the Isaiah and the widow and everybody else in, in Israel, are, sorry, Elijah, are in that situation. It's the king's unwillingness to use his resources for the blessing of the people of Israel and for the blessing of God and, God and his people. It's his hostility to the man of God and the people of God and God himself that has put everybody in this situation. So God chooses to use someone very poor to work out his blessing of riches. And of course, see it the other way around. Generosity in poverty is worth way more than generosity in riches. It's not the proportion of what you give, it's the proportion of what you have left. It's the proportion of what you give to what your need is rather than the resources you have at your disposal that demonstrates the capacity for generosity that you have. This widow had a handful of flour left in the world. A handful of flour from which to make her last meal for herself and for her son. This is their last meal. What's he going to make? A small bread roll. That's it. It's all they've got left. And they're in a time of famine. She's going to eat it. She's going to give most of it to her son. He's going to eat it. And then they're going to prepare themselves for the reality of dying over the next days. How blessed do you think Elijah was to receive from this woman this handful of corn, this handful of flour, this last piece of bread to feed him? How blessed was the Lord Jesus when he sat watching people giving money into the temple collection and he saw one widow dig into her bag 
and find in it at the very bottom one tiny coin and give that. It was worth way more to Jesus than the rich man and all his sack of gold that followed. Somebody was mentioning to me after the previous service that in Mark's gospel, it's even more impressive because she has two tiny coins, half of nothing. But she gives both coins, not just one. Even in poverty, we have choice. And that choice of generosity blesses God. Because secondly, generosity to God's people is generosity to God. That really blesses him. Jesus was particularly pleased with that widow's offering, not just because it was small, but because it was given to God's people, to God's ministry in Jerusalem. And God was delighted with the widow of Zarephath's sacrificial gift of this handful of flour as a gift of bread to his servant. And you think what it would be like being a parent and seeing somebody else give their very last to your child in their need. If we can't afford to give and yet we choose to do so, God is so touched, especially when we give it to his people. You can be sure he will notice. And thirdly, it's a great thing when God notices our generosity because God repays generosity with generosity and faithfulness. He rewards Elijah for his trust in him in speaking the words of um, prophecy about famine. He looks after him. He rewards the, the generosity and the trust of that widow by giving her what she needs throughout the famine for her and her son. More than that, he gives to her the capacity to go on being generous throughout that time of need. So what have we learned from the widow of Zarephath? We've learned that you don't have to be rich to be generous. We've learned that generous, generosity to God's people is generosity to God. And we've learned that God replays those who are generous to him with generosity and faithfulness in his turn. Okay, finally, back to Mary of Bethany, let's think about the impact of her generosity on others, her impact on God, her impact on other people. What does generosity do to God and to others? Well, firstly, generosity gives to Mary the opportunity to minister to Jesus, to minister to God. The primary impact of Mary's generosity is on Jesus himself. Jesus is preparing to go to Jerusalem. He has literally the weight of the world on his shoulders. He is stiffening his resolve. He is, um, what does Isaiah say? He is uh, fixing his face to go to Jerusalem. He knows what's awaiting him there. He knows it will be betrayal and it will be uh, hostility and it will be trial and it will be crucifixion. He knows those things are waiting him in Jerusalem. And just for a moment, 
He is blessed by Mary's generosity to him. His cares are lightened. He smells the perfume. His heart is eased and he is so touched by her gift to him. Not many people thought to minister to Jesus. But Mary did that. Mary thought to do it. Our generosity blesses Jesus, especially when it's specifically for him and for his people. But secondly, generosity produces a fragrance. Mary's generosity had a wider impact, not just on Jesus, but on those in the room. She sweetened the room with her gift. Our generosity doesn't just affect those to whom we give it, but also those who become aware of it. When people hear about our generosity as a congregation, they are drawn to us and to Jesus, whom we serve. Thirdly, generosity allows us to minister with Jesus. In Mary's generosity to Jesus, Jesus sees that she is actually sharing with him in his ministry. This isn't just a self-indulgent moment. This is an extraordinary prophetic moment in which Jesus, in which Mary shares with Jesus his grief, his sorrow, his suffering, his dying, his burial. And for that, Jesus honors and loves her. As we lift up our collection baskets at the end of the service, I guess we will be praying that Jesus will take this offering and use it and us for his glory and that he will do amazing, surprising things, eternal things with the gift that we offer of our lives and our resources. And fourthly and finally, generosity achieves the appreciation of Jesus. It's true that our generosity often uh, opens us up to criticism. Other people don't like how we choose to be generous. Judas, perhaps for reasons of his own, uh, was a bit irritated with the choice that Mary made with that perfume. Jesus tells uh, uh, several parables about how people get irritated with the generosity of others or with God. But if we are truly generous, if we are choosing to be generous, not, not to manipulate, not with our own agenda, but to offer what we have for God to bless, we will find Jesus defending us as he defended Mary and expressing God's appreciation for us. We may even find ourselves like Mary surprisingly noteworthy in the annals of the gospel. So what have we learnt from Mary that love, that uh, generosity comes from honour, from gratitude, from love and worship, that from the widow of Zarephath that we don't have to be rich to be generous, that generosity to God is, God's people is generosity to him, and that God notices our generosity and repays it with generosity and faithfulness of his own. 
And finally, from Mary of Bethany, that in being generous, we offer ministry to God, to Jesus. We share a fragrance together in the room that we share ministry with Jesus and that therefore Jesus expresses his appreciation for us in defending and honoring us. I want to finish with a, a little video clip for our entertainment and enjoyment and our encouragement from uh, our PCC. <laughs> 